You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Boy, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. The podcast about going long with endurance and learning a little bit about yourself along the way. All right, this episode is going to be pretty short. We do have a nice interview with a up-and-coming mountain biker, so that'll be really cool. But first, I should say that we haven't put out episodes in quite a while for a mix of reasons, mostly because of the pandemic didn't have a pool available, still don't have a pool available, really. I'm trying to figure that out. And the situations with uh, Kai, my son, being in Boy Scouts and me being the Scoutmaster of the Boy Scout troop and they needing me and then also being uh, sent to work from home, which I thought would be incredible, uh, turned out to be like terrible for training for somehow I still haven't really figured out like why <laughs> what's been going on with that but we have done a ton of racing and uh, training stuff uh, it's just like a slightly different uh, vein because it's been mostly like uh, mountain biking and gravel racing I did do um, the short version of the Rocky Raccoon trail run race I don't think I've done an actual real triathlon itself for, for a little while, but I'm definitely uh, still uh, aiming to do another one like really soon. I just watched uh, Ironman Championship St. George, and it was so awesome, and I want can't wait to uh, do another Ironman. Very excited about doing that. And uh, really, honestly, the big thing has been other things in life, like stepped up that I could not uh, – put down because like for my, you know, my son's a teenager and the the requirements, like, you know, when your teenager starts getting up there in the high school years where you got to be there for them on weekends for their sports or their activities. I'm a, a mountain bike coach for the local mountain bike team for the, the kids, middle school and high school team. And that was taking up weekends. And I just found it uh, too much to be putting out shows while all these other responsibilities were going on. And then at my work, for two years, three years, being put on a, uh, being kind of uh, strung out a little bit that I might be up for a promotion. So I'm like doubling down on being there for work and, and uh, not uh, going out and training as much and not recording as much pod- podcast stuff because the, the promotion was worth a lot of money. And that ended up just not ever happening, which is an unbelievable in itself. Uh, but there's a whole lot of stuff like that that uh, now that things are uh, Kai's mountain bike season uh, is is over his racing season is kind of over for the spring a little bit I asked for another adult to take over as scoutmaster now that Kai's almost done and we need to do the uh, succession planning and transition planning so we got a really great new scoutmaster running the troop so I've stepped back somewhat I'm still an assistant scoutmaster and the eagle scout coordinator and We've got Kai's Eagle Scout project to do this summer. So there's still, I'm, I'm busy, but I'm not quite as busy and not don't quite need to be as on as much for others. And 
we can uh, sit down and focus on the podcast. And another thing that's become very apparent is how much having had the podcast for all those years was beneficial to Kai and my life as far as opportunities and openings for him to uh, to progress as an athlete or whatever he wanted to do in life as a, a college, whatever he wants to do in college or his um, athletic career. So we've been saying for quite a while, man, we need to get the podcast going again so we can put stuff out there. So we get some feedback from the community and get people inspired and work with us and we work with them and it's just all around awesome. So this episode is really mostly just a quick effort to put out a show uh, to see where the holes are in the process. It's a multi-step process to get a show out produced and out there. And I haven't done it in long enough where I'm a little concerned that maybe (laughs) it won't work. So I don't want to record like a huge episode and then be frustrated. And then uh, because it doesn't get uploaded for so long that I need to record another one. And I've actually actually recorded several episodes of the show and just never put them out because it just took too long with delays and stuff like that in our normal life that was happening. Okay. So there's that, but I still want to say a few things. If you're brand new to this show, this is the very first triathlon endurance sports uh, podcast. Started it back in 2004, 2005. I'm a very accomplished uh, Ironman triathlete and ultra runner and ultra swimmer and all that stuff. Uh, You can go just Google who is Brett Blankner, B-L-A-N-K-N-E-R, and there's a long list of all the stuff that I've done. And... I'm an endurance sports addict, and just like a lot of you. Uh, 15 Ironmans, what are, uh, swam Lake Tahoe, which is 22 miles, one mile longer than the English Channel. Swam it, a kind of uh, English Channel rule, except it was really cold, so we wore wetsuits, but that was it. No touching the boat, stuff like that. And it's at 6,000 feet elevation. And then I've run a 100-mile trail run race, a whole bunch of 50s, got pretty good at the 50. And almost qualified for Worlds at the 70.3 distance. I've raced all over the United States, done triathlon stuff all over the United States and in Spain. Oh, and I'm an Ironman coach. I was a certified coach a while back, and then the certification doesn't really do any good, and you have to keep paying it. So I just stopped being certified and just kept coaching, and my business got even better. And I'm interested in uh, coaching people and also getting some sponsorships on the show, some ad revenue. So if you got stuff you want to promote, then let me know with an email to texafornia at gmail.com. And before we get into our interview with our super-duper mountain biker, let me say real quick uh, what we've been into. I mentioned it in the interview as well, but just real quick, I'm just so excited about it. Is at some point, some point during the pandemic, and like we're trying to figure out what to do because everything shut down for a little while, um, I did some marathon mountain biking and I could not believe how banged up you got doing that. And it was a way to do stuff all day, kind of like Ironman, and get really wrecked at the end of it and feel like you've done something like really amazing because it's really challenging and the time flies by like you never get bored because it's mountain biking and you could crash into something at any second and plus you're in the woods so it's all green and and there's dirt and 
happy people everywhere. It's like the coolest thing in the world. And I've never experienced anything like it. And so I'm so, I did not know that it, I mean, I'd like heard of it, but I didn't know it was like a thing locally. And it was like a, a, uh, uh, set of scheduled events. So there's like a marathon, marathon mountain bike schedule, like in your area, there's one in Texas where I live and there's all these races. And so it takes, it's about like doing a half Ironman and it really like challenges you and is so much fun. And I remember after doing my first one, there's half marathons and marathons, 22 miles and 44 miles, which doesn't sound all that far, but mountain biking is way slower than, um, it doesn't feel slower, but those distances are two, three, four, five, six hours. And I remember after I finished my first one, being so excited that this, finding out that this existed, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a whole other sport that's a lot like Ironman, where it's just endurance and tactics and being smart and a skill that you can develop. And you don't have to be the best cyclist in the world. It's more about uh, technique and uh, it's more about thinking and skills that you build over the years. And you can actually get pretty fast and not be that amazing of a, you know, you don't have to be like a, of Matthew Vanderpool or Lance Armstrong aerobically, a lot of, because I found out as soon as I started mountain biking, like I was way slower mountain biking than I am road biking. So it's obviously a skills thing. And then also gravel popped up on our radar as a thing to do. And we started doing gravel rides on our own. And the uh, really cool thing was as a, a former mountain biker. That's all I used to do in college. And I thought I was good at it. And then I entered my first race and discovered I was not. Uh, and then my best friend who was also a mountain biker, I used to have a, uh, both of us together used to have a lot of bikes and I had a full suspension Cannondale super V and we, uh, my friend suddenly got way better than me. And he told me that he was riding a road bike around on, you know, like once a day for like an hour and then longer rides on weekends, maybe, and to, to get in the volume and the training. And I never forgot that because he got way better than me like really quickly. So Kai's mountain biking got to the point where the local mountain biking around here really isn't challenging enough and there's not enough of it to become a great mountain biker uh, all on its own. And all the great mountain bikers will pretty much tell you that they ride road bikes on the, until recently, now they ride gravel bikes. Uh, they ride road bikes on the, uh, on the side to get sustained endurance and sustained workouts that are longer because mountain biking is just too punchy to do anything, uh, long enough for it to be, um, you improve your skills, but you don't improve your fitness very much. And once you get to a certain point. And so I, uh, we, well, we did a gravel bike ride together and then I just on our own and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing because what it does is it opens up all these roads for you to go ride on that are way safer. And Kai being younger, I wanted him to be safe. And just as road biking in general, the, the more you can do, um, safer is better. And then the scenery and where you go, every ride is literally like an adventure ride now. But you're getting all the benefits of road biking, but you're getting the... 
uh, the other benefits of mountain biking that are intangible, like the, the just being outside in the, in the, in more remote areas, instead of in traffic, you're like in with the trees and there you see creatures and, and wildlife and, 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 uh, and then because it's gravel, the road is way more interesting than regular pavement because it's, uh, it, the surface changes every time it rains, every few days, the surface is slightly different, um, where it'll take months, you know, for a pothole to appear on your road ride in two days, all of a sudden the surface is completely different than where you rode there yesterday. And so it makes the time go by way faster and you feel like you're actually like doing something really cool. Uh, so that's why we got some gravel bikes and started gravel biking and we've done one huge race and I got third. We talked about that. Um, I had the time of my life, even though I was close towards the back. Um, it was just amazing. And the whole process of like validating where the race was going to be like riding, pre-riding the course took two months of like a, a weekend here and there to ride the whole course and then check it out. And it was just so much good father-son time. I really, really enjoyed it. So that's what we've been into. Let's go ahead and get into Kai's interview and then I will catch up at the end and we'll wrap up the show. Hello, hello. All right, I am here with the infamous and famous Kai Blankner of mountain biking and gravel biking fame. He's nodding. That's right. <laughs> okay, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that we're going to have an interview interview with you about uh, what you've been doing since we uh, started or quit making episodes and we're starting back up again so people can catch up. Right. You've been, uh, for example, like mountain biking and gravel bike racing. And people like to hear just like a quick bit on um, how you're doing with that and then what you want to do coming up and what you like about both. And I'll chime in as needed. So tell us about uh, starting like maybe a year, year and a half ago, what kind of races you've been doing. All right. About a year and a half ago, I think we had just started gravel riding. I just got my first gravel bike because my friend John got his first gravel bike we were kind of into it we were we didn't had a we didn't have a bike yet but we were it was it seemed pretty cool we hadn't really ridden anything yet yeah, i remember we rode on mountain bikes yeah. for like 60 miles on gravel roads yeah and then i thought okay i get it now why because at first i was like why would you need a gravel bike just ride a mountain bike yeah but it is so much slower sitting upright on a mountain bike yeah the the wind drag is a few miles per hour, mm-hmm. probably. And your gears. And, yeah, you don't have enough top-end gears to go fast enough. So it's definitely pleasurable, nice ride, but you could definitely go faster. You feel like you're unnecessarily going too slow. So you got we got you that vast magnesium gravel bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because John got his, and he went out of town for something for like two weeks, and he let me borrow it for while, while he was gone. And I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah. It was it was a bright red vast. It was yeah. It, it's the same thing I have now, just a different color. Yeah. So vast is V A A S T, and they're magnesium frames, so they ride really smooth, like really nice. And then I was still on my mountain bike, and I was like uh, watching how much fun you had, mm-hmm. and I was like, we gotta, we gotta 
get us both these. And so I built up an old bike into a gravel bike. And then you asked for your Christmas present for me to get a gravel bike. Mm-hmm. No, your birthday present for me to get a gravel bike. It was, it was Christmas. Um so that I could actually keep up with you yeah. because my bike's a little bit majorly out of date. Yeah. So um and so I got a new gravel I got the same as yours. Exactly. And then I was starting to be able to keep up a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. So that we just started doing that. I don't remember if I was mountain biking much. I think I was, but I think, not as much as I am now. I wasn't super really... I was into it. I think it, you were into it. Just not really Now I remember. The, the thing was is that mountain biking is kind of limited around here. Mm-hmm. So you got to drive to go get there, and then it's kind of a one, one area with limit. It's plenty of trails, but you're kind of limited. And road biking is how mountain bikers get really good. It allows them to put in the volume. Yeah, we were we were uh, doing long gravel rides mainly yeah. so I could get better at mountain yeah. biking. Yep. And yeah. so I thought, oh my gosh, I put two and two together and said, with gravel biking, we can get in the volume of road biking to help you become a better mountain biker. And yeah, I was neuron. Yeah. So you want like. For fitness, to be a better athlete, you need longer sustained efforts. Mm-hmm. And you cannot get that mountain biking in the prairie, like where we live, where your longest climb is like a minute, yeah. maybe. So how do you get in 20 minutes? How do you get in five minutes? Like, it's just impossible. You're backing up. Did you guys stay closer? So um, I had this idea that you should do, seeing how happy you liked it. And because it's like gravel is kind of like off-road, it's very much off-road, well, yeah. in a way. Um, it was like fun because like the whole time you're riding on the, on the road, you're trying to solve the puzzle of where to be on the road. Yeah, but you're still going fast. Yeah, you're going fast. And because it's a gravel road, there's no traffic. Yeah. So you can pick a side. You can go left, right, wherever you want. And the... Um, we can take up the whole road. You, I could be on the left or you could be on yeah. the right. We could so, just take up the whole road. So then I, I uh, had my Nishiki uh, gravel bike that I built up out of old parts which was quite a project. And you and I were pre-riding and training on the Palestine, the El Camino 205, 105, whatever they want to call it. Yeah, that's, um, that's when I, it was right when school was about to start. I started getting training from Williams Racing Academy. But what I noticed was is that you and I were able to do long rides together so you could get in your zone two massive base right? Of three hour, four hour, five hour rides. They were not boring. Mm. They were crazy because of the scenery and like the situations you find yourself in. And the, um, what was the other thing? Oh, we were able to ride side by side, which you cannot do road biking 99% of the time because a car is going to come up behind you and hit one of you. But gravel biking, you can ride with friends and ride side by side and have a conversation, yeah. which is so cool. Yeah, and even if there is a car, they're not coming up fast because it's on gravel. Yeah, and you can hear them because yeah. it's gravel. Yeah. Or see them. And we use the Vario, we both have Vario radars on the back of our bikes, which is really handy. And then, so we did the Palestine race, and you got what place? Uh, third. In the age group 30 and under. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah, really cool. Uh, you beat me by like an hour and a half, two hours or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at the start of the race, I was like, stay with me, you know, because it's your first really long race. Yeah. So to hold you back, I was like, well, stay with me. But then I saw how slow I was compared to everybody else because yeah. it was up uphill start. And you like, you look, you gave me one look. And you like, like, all right. Go. I was like, just go, dude. Yeah, because yeah, I'm holding you back. And you did great. And you loved it, riding all by yourself all that way. Yeah, it got hard at the end. But after it, I was, it, I felt really accomplished. So the other thing that we were doing around that same time, leading into that, and then after that, both, was marathon mountain bike races. I did, we did our first marathon. I've done one, the, the uh, excruciation exam, years ago. And I about died during doing that thing. I was underprepared for what I was definitely well trained, but I was underprepared for what I was getting myself into. <laughs> Dude, I thought I was gonna die. Into it, and you yeah. said you were fine. <laughs> um, but the uh, no, I'm talking about the one long time. You were a little, real little kid. Oh. But it's where you ride one mountain bike park and you ride the road to the other one. You ride another mountain bike park and then ride back and ride some more of the mountain bike park and then ride. Anyway, um, there was that. But then we did the relay, the off road relay. A six hour, yeah, six hour mountain bike relay at Warda. Yeah, and it takes like you're like 45 minutes per lap, and I was like 55 minutes per lap. I was like 50, but then I slowed down. And then you had one lap, so you would you would do a lap, and then I would do a lap. Two laps. I think maybe one time you did two laps. No, but we definitely did one lap. Yeah. And then um, you were newer to really long distance stuff, and you you had like one lap where you struggled. Remember that? I remember that. And then I just gradually faded. Mm-hmm. And then um, we were so close to getting that last lap. I, I wrecked and I had blood all over me yeah, and stuff. We were so close. Yeah, we were so like, close. Where to get, is he? The lap doesn't count unless you come in under the line. Yeah. And we were going to get in seven laps, but we only got in six. Yeah. Um, well, maybe we we're going to get in eight, I and I think we only got in seven. Got yeah. And then because uh, we're under an hour each time, so that was like I remember telling people that I think I've discovered something new for me that. It's like Ironman because all these Ironman triathlons got canceled for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's like Ironman, but it's you feel as beat up as you do after a long mountain bike race. You feel like you've been in a car wreck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, there's, and then I discovered there's this thing called marathon mountain biking. And it's where you do, what's a typical, 44, 40-something 40 miles? Marathon? Yeah, yeah. like 44. And so by the time you do 40 something miles on a mountain, in a mountain bike race, it is crazy. You are destroyed and it feels so good. Like you did something really awesome. So they do half marathons and that's where we got, you started on a half marathon. I got, I got first on the first one. What age group? It was my age. I know that it was like 19 and under 19 and under at the Rocky Hill round. It was like super muddy and Kai won. Yeah. Bike. That yeah. was funny. I probably made the difference in that muddy conditions. Yeah. I took like two hours or something like that longer than you. No, you did the longer race. You well, know. oh yeah, that's right. I did the full marathon and then um, you do loops, right? So I did like four loops or something like that. You did two, right? And then I remember Emily Zentri Nurse asking, are, are you okay to me? <laughs> And I was like, I was having the time of my yeah, life. I was loving it because even though I was like in last place or next to last place, yeah. it was so hard. Like, because I'm not as good at mountain biking as I am at road riding or triathlon riding. And then, um, uh, so there was that, those races. And then we did some mountain bike race 
the Timbra Texas Mountain Bike Racing Association. They do classic mountain bike races at places around Texas, mm-hmm. and we did those are shorter, uh, but very intense and very hard. So we did one at Huntsville. Uh, shred the root, shred day roots. Shred day roots. Yeah, and you did. You got pretty. That's a really competitive one with people out of Houston and stuff. though. Yeah, big city. Too, too hot. In that and one. then um, we did Tyler. That was an awesome race. Tyler super hilly. Yeah, hilly. it was a. We did a half marathon. I did that half marathon. I think you did that half marathon too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, I thought it was funny that I could sign up for Cat Two, like to do the three lap course or whatever the longer course. They I had to sign up as Cat Two. Yeah. And I was like, there's something wrong here. Oh, and then, so we did that, and you've been doing your high school mountain bike racing, mm-hmm. which your life kind of like, kind of revolves around that. That's a really good, for your age group, yeah, that's a really the good. the whole time I had been training for that. After yeah. the El Camino, I, I was training for that. Yeah, because that's a really good indicator of where you are. There's lots of competition your age in the high school stuff, mm-hmm. right? And they have uh, freshmen, JV, varsity. You let her in real quick. I'll, I'll talk for a second. So then... There was all that, and then um, my goal has pretty much been the short distance mountain biking stuff. Oh, you did time trials last summer. You won the time, local time trial series, yeah. mountain biking, which is like twenty minutes, maybe. It's like twenty-four. Yeah, and that was last summer, which will come again this summer. Mm-hmm. And you got a better bike this summer too, I think. And you ride a Trek Super Caliber. Yeah. I think it's a nine point eight. It is yeah, it's a 9.8 with the Starry Night paint job. It's, it's so cool. RSL, so it's Race Shop Limited. Yeah. It's super pretty. Yeah, it's really cool. Call it. Yeah. <laughs> going to call it Speckled Trout? No. And then, uh Yeah, it's a beautiful bike. So, yeah, you've got that bike. So you've got the top mountain bike. You've got a magnesium frame gravel bike. We won a raffle. I won a raffle, and then uh, it was for carbon wheels, and Kai weighs so much less than me that it's smarter to put carbon wheels under Kai, and he's also the real racer that's the pointy end of everything. So you got the carbon Cantu gravel race wheels. Um, And then the craziest thing we did lately is we went to Arizona for what? The Cactus Cup. Which is is what kind of race? Stage race. What was was day one, day two, and day three? Oh, day one was was a mountain bike race. It was time trial. It was, I want to say it was like, was it, was it four miles or five miles? It wasn't very far, but it was very technical. Yeah. That well, was it was pretty technical. Like average super, technical. It was, there was this huge hill that killed me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a time trial. It was around four or five miles. Um, my times got messed up because we put me in the pro category. Elite oh category. yeah. Emily registered us both as pro. Yeah. She, it didn't say pro. It was like open elite, and she just figured that's what's fine. Yeah. And then we couldn't get out of it once we were in it, which caused huge problems with timing. But so, like for example, I ended up going off the gun the right after Jebka Bush, which is a <laughs> Olympian mountain biker. Yep. And I remember going, "Oh my god, I'm so gonna get yeah. run over." But what I did is just mountain biking's really cool, so I just got out of the way of everybody. So that was day one. Took you 20-something minutes. Took me 30-something minutes. Yeah, I started like three hours later than I wanted to, or than my, than my group, my age group went. Yeah. I, it wasn't a – I wasn't super happy with my time, but it was the first yeah. race. Well, we did a lot of travel with an RV. We had our we own RV. We were driving for like three, three days. days. Yeah. So, and we didn't, I didn't get to ride at all. 
that course. So we, we promoted it once, I think. Yeah. Did we? Which is not enough. No. And then the um and the, the the terrain is like out of an old Bugs Bunny cartoon, uh, Wiley Coyote and Road Roadrunner, yeah. where it's those uh, saguaro cactus and plateaus and things like that. It was nuts. And then day two was a full-on mountain bike marathon race. Yeah, they called it a, a cross-country race. <laughs> Where if you went off country, yeah. but it was... If you go off course, you're going to die. Yeah, and the uh, miles. 43 miles, and you got what place-ish, do you think? Yeah. Probably. And then, the, um, and then day three was enduro, yeah. a baby enduro, where there was no technical stuff. There was, well, there was a couple. Yeah, yeah. There were some was, technical. There was three stages of the Enduro. One, the first one was, it was pretty flat. It was like a steady downhill. And then stage two, you that was more Enduro than, well, that one was super chunky. Like uh-huh. the rocks and you're on the side of a mountain about to slide off. Like that was that was scary, especially on a cross country mountain bike. Yeah. You're banging the rocks are hitting your frame and everything. And then the third one, you're it wasn't as rocky, but it was still pretty steep. Yeah. So enduro for people, I didn't know exactly. I had to kind of figure it out. I was super excited though because you hear about enduro. Yeah, it and, was like a chill day. Yeah. It was like the last day celebration day with just it, like it took an hour yeah. to do it all. Well, it took you an hour. Yeah. Do you want to go check the pizza, and I'll describe what the uh, we're cooking a pizza at the same time, uh, and and then we got to run and go to scouts. So Kai's got an Eagle Scout project to work on, and um, enduro is uh, in this case we rode our bikes to the start, and then what you do is the downhill. There's long downhill sections of like several miles of pure downhill. And then those are timed. So they take your time at the top, take your time at the bottom, and then they send them to central computing to figure it out. And then um, then you ride casual. It's untimed to uh, – Kai's cursing at the pizza. You ride untimed to the next downhill, which is at a different location. You know, It's just a couple miles away, whatever, or more. Um, and it kind of wears you out, but not really. It's, you just ride it a super, if you get worn out right into the next location, that's your own fault. Um, and you know, they make dedicated bikes for this. They called enduro mountain bikes and they're basically kind of lightweight downhill bikes because they were bringing two bikes. Yeah. So they made it. Super, yeah. So they cross country, they called it cross country enduro. Yeah. So they made this race not te- technically difficult the enduro part because it was just downhill with a few technical parts because they know people don't want to bring because it's a multi-day race they don't want people to bring specific bikes so all that never crashed and then on day three in the evening riding around with emily to show her a trail a guy on an e-bike hit me going around a corner and about remember my remember how bad my sternum hurt i thought maybe my stern he cracked my sternum yep. And then, uh, which was a really good lesson about uh, the new thing with e-bikes and everybody on them is they can go really fast uphill. Is that mom? Yeah. What's she saying? She's oh, answer it. Okay. So we got to eat a pizza and go off to scouts. That's the latest. Oh, Kai picked up a sponsorship 
from ESI Grips, which is big in mountain biking. They do like kind of foam handlebar grips for like uh, BMX, mountain bikes, stuff like uh, flat bar bikes, and they're really great. And um, we'll have more to talk about that soon. And he's doing great. And uh, our next thing is uh, we were going to do the Gravel Locos race maybe, but his mountain bike championship got moved. And I think he's ranked seventh. Kai's ranked seventh in the state of Texas. And that's uh, really cool stuff. So that's our little interview with Kai. And then uh, we'll pick up with more show here in a second. All right, we are back. Wow, some really crazy stuff has happened recently. First off, uh, thanks a lot, Kai, for giving us that great interview. Kai is coming off of mono and did a two and a half hour bike ride with me the other day and did just fine. He was a little bit um, out of breath, sort of, uh, because I've been really putting in the miles and he had to take off a couple weeks or more, maybe it was two and a half, three weeks of uh, nothing. And then uh, slightly easing back in. And yesterday it was nice, uh, cool weather. Was it yesterday? The day before yesterday when we did our Sunday ride. It was nice, cool weather. We had a cold front come through Texas and I actually got a little bit cold and had to warm up when I was done. Uh, Mostly because I was uh, drinking like uh, iced beverages and a cold beer and stuff like that afterwards, which is usual right now. But it turns out that dropped my body temperature uh, really far down. Uh, let's see. Oh, man. I have so many tips to give about gravel riding, uh, coming to it from a triathlete's perspective, an ultra long distance time trial biking perspective. And I, I won two or three times uh, the grand the 100 mile grand fondo solo off the front i was on a tri bike but other people can ride in groups you know they're on road bikes and there was a couple tri bikes mixed in and i won that thing uh quite handily uh because of tactics for long distance riding it turns out i'm the kind of person that really likes that and uh, i think the british time trial stuff that they do i think i would be so into that they have a whole culture over in Great Britain of doing time trials, mostly, I guess, like one hour stuff. But, or maybe not, maybe it's longer. But they do dedicated TT bike racing as a kind of like it's all-inclusive sport, kind of like gravel biking or mountain biking. They're very into it. And it sounds like something I would be really happy. I was about to say I'd be really good at. I'd probably be good, but I would I don't know if I'd be great. But I'd just be really enjoying it because I just love milking the efficiency out of every little piece of of uh biking. I find it just so interesting how two people can uh be putting out the same amount of power, same amount of effort, but one person's faster. And two people can take the same course with the same amount of effort, and one of it, one person is faster. And what is going on? And I guess it's because the there is definitely something that is different, and is making one person faster or slower. And it's not belief or faith or or uh, just trying harder. You want it more or something like that. There's actual, real factual things because it's physics 
And because those thing, those things are there, you can discover them for yourself. You can learn them and then there's nothing stopping you from implementing them yourself unless it's like cost for like crazy expensive parts or something like that. But most stuff is just aerodynamics, which is inexpensive. All right. Um, Kai mentioned to me that he was really excited to find out about a gravel race coming up called the Hell of the North Texas. And the true Hell of the North is the Paris-Roubaix bike race in Europe. And we have a Paris-Texas. So apparently there is a gravel bike race that is, you know, 30, 60, 100 miles and leaves Paris and maybe returns to Paris. I don't know. But it's around Paris, Texas, which is in northeast Texas. And it is uh, also set up so it ends on a kind of a velodrome of sorts. I guess it's maybe a city block. Maybe where you can see the whole thing. I don't know. Maybe a high school track or something like that where you, you finish doing one lap on a velodrome. Just like the race in France. So that would be really, really cool to do. We might go do that. And also we have this crazy story and tragic news about a murder in the gravel, with the gravel cycling world. And it's uh, Mo Wilson. Let me sure I get her last name right. I, I've definitely seen an interview with her. Or two, I recognize her. I just don't remember her last name exactly all the time. So it's Mo Wilson, and I think her name is actually like Mariah or something like that. Anyway, she was only 25, and she was a pro, and I think she won the uh, waffle, the Belgian waffle ride in San Diego just recently. So she's not just a pro. She's like top, top pro because that's a really hard race. And uh, apparently... She was involved. This is all, I'm just reading this online and stuff like that. I'm not saying this is fact. You can't, don't come after me with, <laughs> um, and I'm not trying to spread rumors or something like that. Uh, the news is saying that she was involved somehow with Colin Strickland, who's also a very famous pro gravel racer, very successful. And then, oh my gosh, I see more. There's like timestamps on camera. Stuff. Oh, wow. I'm reading on slow twitch a little bit about some stuff. Anyway, the, uh, and there's another girl. So now there's a love triangle, apparently. Not assuredly, but it seems like there was a love triangle. And it seems like the other girl who I believe was in her 30s, and her last name is Armstrong. And this all happened in Austin. And anytime you hear Armstrong and Austin in the same story, it makes you raise an eyebrow like, what? And I don't think they're related whatsoever. Um, Squirrel moment, uh, side note, I finally figured out I was suspicious by his body movements and such. The CEO of Ford is doing all these presentations of the... um, the release of the new electric Ford pickup truck, fully electric, and it's really badass. Only thing is it kind of sucks for uh, towing, but all trucks do. It eats through half your... Anytime you tow something heavy enough, substantial, it eats about half of your your MPG. 
And on electric vehicles, that's actually really sucky because there's not that many stations to refill and it takes uh, a long time to recharge a battery compared to gas. But other than that, the thing is incredible. And watching this guy, whose name is, I believe, James Farley. So if somebody named Farley up there enthusiastically like talking about how this is the best truck that they've ever made and everything, I'm like, God, that guy looks like Chris Farley. <laughs> and I did some Googling and found out I was right. They are cousins. So if you want to see a reincarnation of, of Chris Farley... You miss, if you miss Chris Farley and how awesome he was, watch his cousin, Jim Farley, who is the CEO of Ford, give a presentation on stage and also with Jay Leno on Jay Leno's Garage. And the way he bobs his head and leans into things and, and kind of like waves his hands a little bit enthusiastically and kind of like you're just like, oh my gosh, that is so Chris Farley, man. So great. Okay. So tried to inject some a little bit of... A pleasantry into something that's really unpleasant. Go back to the um, this murder situation. Um, it looks like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything actually uh, that anybody did anything, but I can tell you what's happened for sure is Mo Wilson was murdered. An arrest warrant was was sent out for uh, I don't want to I don't have her first name in front of me something Armstrong, and then. Also, I'm seeing on Velo News that somebody, one of Colin Strickland's sponsors, uh, cut uh, Colin Strickland. Allied Cycle specialized in Rafa. Wow. That implies that somehow Colin was on the wrong side of things here instead of just an innocent uh, intermediary. And... I do not know that. Um, and I'm behind on the news story a little bit. By the time you hear this, there'll be a whole lot more coming out. Um, but this is just terrible, 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 terrible. And if, let's see if they mention the name of the, Caitlin Armstrong. Uh, they issued a warrant for Caitlin. I don't know if they've captured her. I don't know if she's turned herself in or something like that yet. And yeah, it's just a, it's so a horrible reminder of uh, crimes of passion and, and how, re, how terrible things can end up and to not do this stuff uh, because you end up, somebody ends up uh, in this situation, somebody ends up dead uh, at only 25 and somebody else's career is completely in the toilet and then another person is on the run from the the law so three lives ruined not just one and yeah and you know i want to say like this is an ugly stain on gravel cycling but this is uh, gravel cycling is 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 tiny compared to losing somebody's life it's just bad all the way around Oh, I see maybe why they cut ties with him. These sponsors, a whole bunch of sponsors. Uh, the 30, This is a quote from Velo News. The 35-year-old professional gravel racer is in the headlines. This is about Colin. After his, his business partner and live-in girlfriend, Caitlin Armstrong, was accused of murdering Wilson. And that's hyperlinked to the accused of murdering. It's issued a warrant for her arrest. 
Anyway, let's try to step away from the tragic news of that in gravel cycling and move on to something else. Got the Giratalia wrapping up. I have incredible, incredible, I have so many tips to give on how to be faster at gravel riding and gravel racing that I've picked up from uh, doing it now for over a year. And all I'm thinking the entire time that I'm doing it is uh, <laughs> about aerodynamics and where to be efficient and where not to be efficient. And as I've explained to a lot of people, in Ironman triathlon, you become obsessed with how to be efficient on the bike if you want to uh, do a, either do a sub-10-hour Ironman at some point or you want to uh, qualify for Kona. And the reason why is after you finish the long bike ride, you have to run. So you want to be as fast as possible with using as little energy as possible on the bike. And when it comes to gravel racing, the competitive field out there, I have noticed, comes almost directly from road biking and nowhere near as many triathletes. And then also nowhere near as many triathletes that actually are very comfortable at sitting in the aero bars. And while gravel is got sections of rough and tumble, it's definitely got a lot of sections of relatively, well, perfectly smooth, like road, relatively smooth, like very fine packed, uh, smooth dirt. And then, uh, very, and then very, very, very light gravel. And I'll go ahead and give one of my first tips. I'll give two tips in the heat, put your camel back in the freezer the night before only fill it halfway and that way, because, you know, ice expands, and then it will serve you as a nice cool drink the rest of the, on the next day's ride when it's nice and hot, and it makes a huge difference because it's cooling you from the inside, and it's literally ice water, and when you sip on the hose, make sure that you blow the hose back, the water back in to the bladder when you're done drinking for that, for that drink every five minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. That way the water isn't hanging in the hose and getting warm. And when you uh, take your next sip, you'll be taking a, a, a sip from the big bladder, not from the hose. And therefore, it will be uh, colder. Okay, the other tip is I have done a ton of A-B testing, and that's where you do things with and without, and then you compare in the same situation. And with suspension and a little bit of padding in the aero bars, you can actually ride in the aero position on gravel quite easily. And if you spread the pads out pretty wide, then it gives you stability on your aero bars with your elbows. And you don't set the aero bars as low as you would on a tri bike, you set them a little bit higher. So you're getting, I would say 90% of the benefit of a triathlon arrow position where you're super tucked in arrow. So you're almost super tucked in arrow and you're getting, I go on gravel rides and I'll spend half my time in the arrow position 
because I've got um, padding. Uh, the other thing is CG's pads. C-E-E-G-E-E-S, CG's, have a ridiculous amount of padding in them. And I have a redshift suspension stem on my bike. So not suspension forks, but a suspension stem, which is like 100 bucks. So when I hit rough stuff on my gravel bike, it's got just enough give and comfort uh, on the elbows and in the, in the suspension uh, in the front end so that I can stay in aero position and ride on gravel. And it works. It works great. And I do it. I've done testing into the wind with... Um, oh, and I had my gravel bike before I got all that stuff, and it was brutal, you know? And then I got a suspension stem, and then I noticed I was going faster downhills than before because I'm more in control with a suspension stem. Uh, suspension fork would be even better. And, the, uh, and then a suspension fork with lockout is actually what uh, I found to be the absolute best. But anyway, suspension stem is really light, really simple, no maintenance, probably last forever and it works good enough and riding on flat ground into a headwind really strong headwind so you're you're testing the um the efficiency of different aerodynamic positions okay if the most aer aerodynamic would be the aero you know just regular aero tt aero position right and let's say on a just a regular road just to make it simple but i've done it on gravel too uh let's say you're riding along and it's uh 18 miles per hour to do 200 watts gives you like 18 miles per hour and that seems a little bit slow but on a gravel bike you have like a fatter tires and stuff like that and let's say it's a gravel road whatever let's just say 18 miles per hour no let's do 20 that way people are happy 20 miles per hour <laughs> 20 miles per hour in an arrow tuck, okay? And if you, and you ought to go try this too on your tri bike. Then sitting upright, but still kind of low. So you're grabbing the bullhorns or the, uh, um, well, let's say the drops on the arrow bike. So you're coming out of the, the arrow bars and into the drops, but still low, right? Because you're in the drops. That adds about, that brings you down to about 19 miles per hour, right? So from 20 to 19. And then let's say you get up on the hoods, but your head is down, right? Well, that is, um, yeah, that's about 18 miles per hour. Uh, hoods, head up. Now you're getting into like 17, 17 and a half miles per hour. And then... If you're on the hoods, no, the tops of the bars head down, then you're doing definitely uh, like 17, 17 and a half. And then if you, um, tops of the bars head up, now you're back to like 16 miles per hour, 16 and a half or something like that. But anyway, it is like every time you come up from a position, it adds another um, it adds another like half a mile to mile per hour. It kind of depends on drag <laughs> to, to you for putting out the same amount of power. And it's, 
it's something that triathletes understand and know that is a uh, big waste of, of energy and time and you should not be doing. But roadies and mountain bikers don't either have no experience with aerodynamics or they don't buy into it in general. And, and if they do believe in it, they don't, they don't believe in it quite to the extent that triathletes do and time trialists do. We know that aerodynamics is everything. Once you get over like 15 miles per hour, maybe even like 13 miles per hour, it depends on which way the wind's blowing. And if you're riding into the wind and going 15 miles per hour, aerodynamics is everything. And you can catch up with the pack or drop people just by riding in the drops with your head down and making sure you don't put out too much power and don't wear yourself out, but you are more efficient than those around you. And the funniest thing is that gravel biking has an anti-TT uh, bar, time trial bar, anti-aero bar um, culture, sort of, just barely, because the fastest pros that win use them most of the time. <laughs> it's the general population that's kind of like, well, I don't know, you know, whatever. I don't think it, I don't think it makes that much difference. Or the other thing, it's kind of like a party trick that you can ride arrow bars in gravel. The people are, I know Kai's a little bit scared of doing it and I'm very comfortable with doing it. And the biggest tip is spread the bar elbow pads out and that stabilizes you a whole lot better and don't get your position so low get it kind of low and then you can handle the bike just fine and you know when you start to see washboard coming up or little potholes and it's starting to look really rough or you're riding right behind somebody then yeah you ride with your hands on the hoods or uh, in the drops or something like that and two other things one is in gravel well in adventure biking and bike touring People use them all the time and they're called comfort bars because what it literally does is it takes the pressure off your hands. And in that case, the aero bars are hugely beneficial as well. And because you're like, you're riding on vibrating bike handlebars, your hands just get exhausted. And the, if you can lay on your, on your elbows, kind of like you're a kid watching TV with your head propped up on your hands then it's just so relaxing. It's like an old pair of blue jeans and like you can just relax. And it's already a thing. It's called comfort because what it'll enable you to do is ride a whole lot longer because you're without getting exhausted because you got a multitude of different positions. You know, when you're driving a car long distance, you know, you drive with your left hand for a while, you drive with your right hand for a while, drive with both hands on the bottom, a hand on the top, you know, you move your seat and stuff like that. You do all kinds of stuff. So this gives you other positions because inevitably you're going to hit some smooth patches. And then when you're on some smooth stuff, just get in the arrow position and ride easy. The trick is number two, that people think that they should put out the same amount of power when the, in the arrow position. And the cool thing is, is you don't have to in the arrow position. You are already by nature of the position and the reduction in drag, you are already faster than you were before. 
So you don't actually have to put down as much power as you were when you were sitting up. So to hold the arrow position in uh, a headwind for a long distance, you don't get in the arrow position and then push really, really hard. That's the wrong way to do it. You get in the arrow position and just settle in and watch your heart rate and try to keep your heart rate uh, what it was uh, before and no more and even lower if you can, I guess. And just be patient. You have to be patient and slide yourself and glide yourself through the, that headwind until you get a chance to get out of it. And then once you do, then the arrow position paid off because you were going faster than you would have at the same power. And going into a headwind, the thing that's causing the most resistance is the wind. So you getting into the arrow position, I've, I've found that I can ride... Uh, in the arrow position, I can ride as fast into a pretty strong headwind as, as uh, with the same effort, faster with, with the same effort than I, uh, and almost as if there was no headwind as if I was sitting up. If, so let's say arrow position into a headwind, uh, pretty strong headwind, talk 17 miles an hour, and... I don't want people to judge me too much on my bike speeds. (laughs) Listen, I have a a track speed concept. And on that thing, easy 200 watts is like 220 watts is like uh, 23 miles an hour. Okay, I know that. I'm talking about a a gravel bike. All right. So the uh, (laughs) gravel bike, let's say, uh, let let me flip the situation around. Gravel bike sitting up into a strong headwind. You're, well, just hands on the hoods into a strong gravel headwind, uh, but head down, doing uh, 17 miles an hour. And maybe that's, a, maybe that's being generous. Let's say 16 miles an hour. And then uh, same bike, but in the time trial position with uh, arrow bars on it. And these are arrow bars that you buy, the aftermarket ones that you just bolt on, okay? And the... Uh, Arrow bar position, same power, um, less power, less power. No, same power. (laughs) Sorry. Like 17 miles per hour, 18 miles per hour. Because the big problem is the wind resistance. That is your number one problem. And when you're going into a headwind. And then what's really, really cool is... You, before you go out on your ride or before you do your race, you look at the direction that the wind's coming in and then you just kind of tell yourself, okay, that whole direction that I'm going into a headwind, every time I'm into a headwind, it's air position, right? But when you're going with the wind, because these are long rides and stuff like that and you want to mix up positions, when you're going with the wind, sit up. Don't ride in the air position when you're going with the wind or going uphill with the wind. Uh, ride upright because wind resistance is... Uh, not really the major factor anymore. It's now rolling resistance or gravity if you're going up. And that's it. And then you have like the whole ride. You do like a four-hour ride. Um, and that's what I've been up to lately is a four-hour four ride. I've got a route that makes a four-hour ride. And into, the head, into a strong uh, headwind, 
uh, arrow position, anytime into a headwind, arrow position, anytime riding with the wind, upright position. And then that makes, because the wind's always coming from different directions every day, it's different, you know, slightly different, more or less. And the uh, pavement, the pavement, the, uh, because it's dirt, the surface is different every ride because of weather and whatever's happened on the road because it's, it's, not, it's not a hardened surface. So it's, it's always changing just a little bit. You're doing, um, you can ride the same route day after day after day and it's always different. And with the variety of sitting up, arrow position, uh, taking the left side of the road, right side of the road, and because you can, because it's a gravel road and there's nobody on it, it makes every ride go by so much faster. I've got this route that I cannot believe is a four-hour route. But it is, and I'm not bored. I'm like, cool, because every time it's just a little bit different. And I'm always switching up positions and uh, really enjoying it. Okay, that's enough for one episode to get a show out. Let's see how it goes. The very, the very next thing for me is a mountain bike time trial with Kai and Zintri nurse Emily might go as well. And we will hope to have that in the next episode. Everybody stay tuned. And let's put our hands together for ourselves for getting another episode out of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Oh, yeah.